Hey, everyone. Welcome to the another episode of the Next in Time podcast. I'm your host, Esti Tangarala, and today our guests are none other than Amber Nigam and G.S. Sun. So one thing you want to know about Amber and G.A. are that they're both the co-founders of a company called Basis.ai. They are both recipients of the 40 Under 40 Public Health Catalyst Award from the Boston Congress of Public Health. And Jay is an alum of Harvard University who studied data who studied a master's degree in data, data science. And Amber is currently a student at Harvard, like a master's degree student, pursuing a master's degree in health data science. So just, just that's the basic introduction of our founders, but about the company uh, Basis.ai, it is a B2B SaaS platform that supports the clinical decision-making for doctors at hospitals. They use proprietary AI technology to track, predict, and intervene to improve treatment outcomes for metabolic health. So Amber and Jay, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So how's the weather over there in Boston? I hear it's like, it's getting warmer. <laughs> well, it's very hot and it's really hard to believe that in just a few months, we're going to have excruciating winter. <laughs> I'm actually loving it because I hate winter, so it's pretty good for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's uh, you know funny thing is I did uh, I must have mentioned to a lot of guests already that I did I did do a bachelor's degree in Massachusetts. So I studied at UMass Amherst, so I understand that kind of change in weather that could happen very abruptly. And uh, and but then you'll you two are basically just focusing more upon just making sure whatever product you're building that is going to be a success by then, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So, uh, yeah, just want to get to know more about you individually. So, I think Amber, you, I looked at your profile and you, and you saw that both of you, and also you, Jay, that both of you are the recipients of the Forty Under Forty Catalyst Award. So, what was that experience like in your mind? In your mind. Um, so, I could also give you a brief introduction about my profile. Um, before answering that question, I have 10 years of experience before coming into Harvard's health data science program, had a bachelor's degree in computer science, worked as a data scientist for 10 years, including working on my own startup, had a successful exit, in the process filed three patents, more than five research papers, all in machine learning again, started uh, with health data science program, but also went for uh, a co-instruction uh, series at MIT for the course called Collaborative Data Science for Healthcare. So that has been my experience. I have been working in public health for the past four years with, with Dr. Leo at MIT. Nice. So when, uh, yeah, uh, the experience with getting that award 40 under 40 was um, nothing less than amazing. Um, but I also would want to focus on the work that we have been doing because of which we received that award is uh, focusing on metabolic health of the patients or uh, for us, the beachhead market is diabetes. So we are helping providers to manage metabolic health and the work um, that we have been doing was recognized through that award. Oh, nice. Yeah, we, that should be like, that should be an amazing, like an amazing accomplishment just for for starting out in a way, right? Is that is that true? Or is that, I'm just trying to make sure I, I was trying to, I was, like I said, I've been reading your information and you basically were able to receive it. And now you're focusing more on a more software-based technology, AI-based technology that's helping patients with chronic diseases. Is that true? Absolutely, yeah. So what we feel is in the field of public health, I mean, uh, COVID has amplified people's attention towards this field, but what's truly 
I mean, you have to really applaud those people who have been working in the field for, for years, because it's really a field in which um, data science could make a difference. And we are working in the frontier of that um, for driving insights from tons of health data that we have ever accumulated and try to make things a little bit easier for doctors, for patients on that ground. So I think on that note, receiving the award for us is a huge encouragement. Uh, it shows that there's absolutely value in what we're doing yeah. and also, um, you know, for, for the field itself. Yeah, before I continue further, Jake, I was I just wanted to know about your background. I think I must have skipped a bit too far and I forgot about oh. to know more about you personally. No problem. So um, before coming to Harvard, I worked for uh, in, in healthcare for eight years. So my career has been rooted in healthcare. I really love it. Um, so I had a degree in statistics uh, as a bachelor's degree. I started in healthcare consulting, later moved on to a French pharma company. I was doing um, medical business management in five Southeast Asian countries. So I was mostly based in Singapore, spent some time in France as well. I made a pivot to um, health data science a few years ago in which I did uh, disease modeling in various fields that include diabetes and also um, infectious diseases. Uh, so I was working in the data science function in MGH and Dana-Farber Cancer Institute was also speaking in Women in Data Science Conference, which is organized by uh, several universities, including Harvard, MIT and Stanford. All right, that makes good. Uh, yeah, that's a very impressive pedigree of accomplishments there. So I see that uh, I see both of you are working on this big thing, this big vision that you're trying to pursue, which is to is it like I'm just trying to make trying to make sense. Is this more about making healthcare more affordable to the masses, or what's the what's the vision you're looking at with your pro with your uh, project or your startup? Oh, go ahead, Amber. Well, yeah, um, that's. That's correct. Uh, we are targeting metabolic health first. So the idea is to use technology to figure out the blind spots and then provide solutions to the blind spots for metabolic health. Of course, this of course this would have um, implications for affordability as well, um, because once we have more information, once we can save time for doctors, uh, it would have implications for patients' outcomes and affordability in in that way. Yes. Okay. And. Um... What about you? So how did you two meet? I just out of curiosity. Just how did you two meet? What made you decide to come up with this overall game plan, this overall idea of a startup? So for both of us, uh, we had an atypical profile uh, as a master's student, as you, as, as we said, uh, both of us worked for you know one, eight years, another 10 years before we decided to do grad school. So I went to grad school with one single objective. I wanted to do something different out of it. Um, and Amber went into it with absolutely the mindset of starting up. Um, so he basically asked everybody in the group, there was a Slack group, he was asking everybody if um, you wanted to start up. So I said, yes, um, this is how we started working with each other. And uh, we have been, it, it has been two years, we have been working with each other on various ideas uh, in the past two years. So the ideas can change, it might change, um, but we really enjoyed working with each other. Uh, it is a great 
you know, um, experience working with Umber as well. So yeah, this is how everything starts. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I saw that you worked with a, with another uh, startup before, before pivoting to basis.ai. Could you tell me more about that experience, uh, Amber? Absolutely. That was great experience as well, just that it had a limited time size and we wanted to focus on something which is more scalable and we can hire smart people to work alongside us. So that was the reason of uh, leaving that idea. But at the same time, um, like this happens all the time uh, with entrepreneurs, with startup founders, that idea was about instructing data science to the doctors. And we initially had great tractions within our bubble. When I say bubble, I mean, within Boston or uh, MIT or Harvard, the doctors that we are reaching out to, they were mostly interested in paying for the service. But when we started reaching out to the places outside of Boston or Massachusetts, uh, we got more pushbacks on the value proposition because there was nothing that we were bringing which had immediate values. And it seems like people are more interested in immediate ROI. So yeah. that was the reason of pivot. Yeah, so is it like, is this more to do with the issue of the, uh, like, it will, like what would be an example of a pushback that you received from that previous one? from the previous startup, like, would they be like, okay, we're not, this is not giving us results or what is the, uh, what is the reason for that pushback? Do you know? It's what one pushback is, uh, okay, this sounds very interesting, but I do not have time. Um, okay, this sounds very interesting, but it is not directly relevant to my practice because I, you know, I don't need to do research. I just need to see patient and uh, keep the clinic running. So the value proposition isn't exactly clear. You know, if we go beyond the Boston area in which there are a lot of academic institutions where people are still concerned about, you know, doing research, having good data science, analyze the clinical data. So going outside, the proposition isn't that clear. As I say, Boston is more of the home for research, not, build, not building things from scratch kind of thing. But, yeah, it's uh, the. I think in recent years, I heard that I've been seeing the, the startup culture growing in the Boston area. I mean, I would say like you know, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook in the Boston area, and other people like HubSpot was founded in the Boston area, and other major startups were founded in the Boston area. So, how like were you? Are you guys looking to make this huge impact in terms of the healthcare in the health tech space in a way in the Boston area? So I think it's. Uh... First of all, it's a great question. Um, Boston or the East Coast is quite different from West Coast. The biotech and life science is amazing. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, uh, Zuckerberg started Facebook, HubSpot was founded here. I feel it's a great ecosystem that Harvard and MIT provides you. I also feel um, West Coast is not bad at all. I mean, there are certain things with West Coast, Coast that we really like. And I feel uh, if someone can figure out the niche between east coast and west coast and can get the best out of both the worlds i think that's that's something that we have found to work for us so we would stay in east coast but at the same time we'll have some meetings in west coast and we'll fly there and come back um, so we want to optimize on both sides of the story yeah the reason why how i met ga was because she flew out to the west coast and we managed to have a we, she came to one of our events and that's how I managed to get to know her. And I was like, I was really fascinated with the way, with your, I, with your uh, startup in general. So I just wanted to, you know, 
that's the reason why I brought you guys in for this interview. <laughs> but Thank you so much. yeah, it was amazing meeting everybody, including you at the event. It was yeah. an incredible event. Uh, yeah. And that is exactly the thing that we're talking about. Like East Coast is pretty good for life science and biotech, but it is constrained by the type of events that we saw there. And your event was absolutely mind blowing. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I think that this, this is basically the running block. Because if you ever notice, like like Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook in Cambridge, but then he decided to go out west because that's where he could find capital to get his business running. So it's kind of could be the same thing for you guys in the future. But we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just need to understand. Let's say I think I've you basically briefly described the vision in terms of you know basis AI. I just wanted to know more about why what. I think I just want to know why basis AI just came into forefront and like, what is, I think it came out of your pivot and I just want to know in depth as to what's the reason behind the creation of basis AI. Sure. So, um, so we both had personal experience with diabetes, which is the beachhead market for us. Uh, my dad had diabetes, which was uncontrolled for almost 25 years. And one of and, my yeah. Yeah, previous professors, worked on, you know, the national um, diabetic progression movement in, in Singapore. So I got exposure to that as well. So when we started discussing about this idea, it absolutely clicked with us. And we also knew that we wanted to do something in data science. We had our own expertise in that. And we were thinking about electronic health records. There's so much data in healthcare, how to make use of it. And we were figuring out which is that beachhead market we should be targeting. So diabetes happened to be the one which had the most overlaps and it also had a great time size. So which also played a role in our decision-making process. All right, what about you? I think you already said, I think Jay, you said that you were working in a health institute and then you, were you like, were you dealing with diabetes personally or were you dealing with family members who had diabetes? Okay. Oh, I do not have family members with diabetes, but my parents are both doctors. So they okay. do see, um, yeah, I mean, the whole family works in the healthcare industry. So um, primary care is, is we're very, very familiar. My have a lot of personal uh, experience looking at, you know, uh, my parents treating patients. So um, I would say healthcare, um, you know, if you think about U.S. healthcare, um, diabetes is, is, is one huge concern for chronic health. And this is also one of the areas in which um, healthcare cost is spent the most. And unfortunately, we're not seeing any improvement on, on this front. And there's even increasing trend yeah. uh, in diabetes. So we feel that this is an important problem. Um, it also brings horizon to you know, the potential impact that, that we can achieve. So this is one of the motivations of working on the problem. Yeah. So, cause I actually, uh, funny thing, funny that you brought up diabetes, like how it's, how it's getting more and more expensive to treat it. I've seen a documentary where people are spending more and more money on insulin shots. And because of that, it's like, okay, they're the money they're spending on controlling diabetes is a lot more than, you know, let's say paying their mortgage. So I can understand the fact that if you want to control diabetes, because we have, we live in a uh, very carb centric society, like in terms of our diets, it's very car carb heavy, and because of that, I I would say is it because of because of that diabetes are becoming a big thing, and people are spending more and more money in terms of you know control finding a way to control that uh, control their own for, for form of diabetes in general. Is that true? Um, that's partly true. I mean, 
we both we're not MDs, but we do know <laughs> that you know um, social there are social factors contributing to the incidence of diabetes. Um, that will include you know diet, um, and also people are easily influenced by who's surrounding you, right? And let's say your parents or your family, they just want to enjoy pizza or um, fried chicken or, or fried food, spaghetti. And it's very difficult for, for you to be different. Um, and so, which is why, I mean, a lot of the uh, options were talking about, uh, you know, driving behavioral changes towards lifestyle. Um, but it's a difficult thing to do, to change yeah. who you are and what you eat. All right. So um, just wondering, so regarding basis AI, how, how, how are you building the product at the moment? It is using AI-based technology, that's for sure. But in terms of, uh, you don't have to disclose like all the deep, dark secrets of what's behind the product, but in terms of a general way of how it's function of the functionality it is, could you explain more about it, Amber? Absolutely. So we have a platform for providers and it helps them summarize the information about the doctor, about the patients. It also helps in risk profiling the patients, and then it provides them information about the next steps. So this, everything that the platform is made on is built on the patent that we have just filed. It's been a, a couple of months actually. And the work that we did on the patent was a combined effort of almost seven years that we had been working on. So both of us have been working on several disease modeling. In this nice. patent, we focused on diabetes and metabolic health and how we can address problems related to them. So this product that we have finally made and we are delivering to the hospitals is uh, coming out of that research of seven years. Uh, seven, so was that seven years? Was that research cultivated? So I would say the research that you worked on the last seven years, was that combined from like from the university period, from your times in university and also in the, in the workforce? Is that, is that the case or? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that uh, makes sense. So, how so? How are you? Like, how? Like, wh what stage are you with your product right now? I think you're. Sh are you like? Is it fully completely completely built? You're showing it to people, and uh, is that is that the case right now, or still on the process of development? So the most important part about the about any AI product is the data, and as you get more data, it evolves. For us, uh, we already have the platform, the dashboard for doctors. At the same time, we also have a beta product based on the algorithms, based on the patent that we have filed, but it is always evolving given it is a machine learning based product. So yeah, to answer your question, uh, more specifically, it's a bit product. At the same time, it will always improve. Yeah, because I see that uh, machine learning based apps always have to keep iterating themselves to, uh, and they got to they gotta keep evolving and they got to keep changing things. And uh, but. Like, what is the most significant uh, thing that your app is currently doing in terms of detecting diabetes? Hmm, that's a that's a great question. I think the most important part where we come into play is detecting diabetic progression. And when I say diabetic progression, assuming Jie and I have diabetes, the way my diabetes would progress would be different from Jie's. And I would require different setup interventions based on my specific needs or my personalized needs. And she would have hers. So how do we define those personalized aspects and define interventions based on those personalization is the thing that we are targeting. Not every patient is the same. Doctors have limited time. How do you kind of make sense of all this information? 
and save doctors time is the intent that we have behind this product. Interesting. And it just makes the doctor's work much more easier in terms of figuring out what to do, like what problem, like let's just say, for example, I got diabetes today and let's say the report, your app just basically tells the reports, it gives the reports to the doctor saying, okay, ST has a bunch of, has a lot of, as is like type two diabetes. He's dealing with a lot of issues. What without also, let's just say with the app provide solutions for doctors to provide to their patients in a way, or would that be just giving you the data itself? Yeah, so let's say you go to the doctor and ideally the doctor should receive a clear dashboard of how you're doing, your risk profile as a patient. Are you high risk, low risk? I mean, high and uh, low means the probability of you getting worse in the future. So if you're high risk, then there is more likelihood to refer you to do further test. And what type of tests depends on the analysis that we do for the doctor. Let's say we have gone through your electronic health records, read all the lab reports, and have identified relevant fields in which you need more tests. This is one thing. Second thing is, based on the risk profile, um, how frequent should you come back to see the doctor? So that is another form of, you know, uh, providing information and good summary before the doctor um, even see you. So it saves them the time from clicking through um, the existing EHR softwares, um, which a lot of the doctors describe as a very messy notebook. It has the information, but you need to take a lot of time to dig through them and do mental synthesis of all the information. What we are doing is to have a clean notebook, highlighting the important things, for the doctors to act on. I mean, um, you know, in, in the US, an average endocrinologist can only spend 10 minutes with each patient. And you right. do want them to maximize that time seeing so, the patient. Okay. So what you're trying to do in terms of future impact would, would it be more about just making just like basically making the dot the hot the hospital process or let's just say the doctor's visit much more efficient and short timed in a way like you just want to get the let's say a patient comes to a doctor's office that you the doctor uses your app to detect okay these are your these are your symptoms these are your let's say you're a diabetic these are the solutions you want to provide it's just it just cuts the visit to about five to ten minutes is that right in a way i would say that's a significant part of what we are doing at the same time we are also preventing certain blind spots that might uh, affect patient outcomes. So patient outcomes is the single biggest key, I would say, uh, that we are going after. So when we save time for doctors, sometimes we also help, help in making uh, certain things that they might have skipped more apparent. So the probability of skipping that might go down. Got it. Yeah, because uh, I think because now, <clears throat> if you've ever seen that healthcare costs are just going up through the roof, people are visiting their doctor, people are just going to their doctors way too many times and they that is basically racking up on their medical bills so if your product was in place then that can at least that in a way could cut the per, the patient's visit to the doctor and uh, by a lot and at the same time it does provide them the right solutions in terms of what they need to do for, for themselves in order to like prevent a future doctor's visit is that right that is absolutely correct. In fact, this is one of the biggest value propositions that we have for the providers and the hospitals that we can uh, cut down the cost for them. 
Okay. And so what are your current challenges that you're facing right now with what you're with the product? Let's say it's not just it's not just only the product, but also let's say bring building product market fit. Let's say you're trying to sell this to hospitals and saying, okay, you're getting pushback from hospitals saying, oh, we need it, we can't afford we, we we would love your app, but we need your patients to stay with us longer or something like that. I mean, that, that's just a bit too uh, hypothetical, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, Amber. Yeah, one of the things that we see is uh, traditional organizations like hospitals, they move at their own pace. And, and you might be like, as a startup, you might want to move fast. Of course, you are in healthcare, so you cannot break things, but you do want to move fast. Um, but hospitals move at their own pace. So for you to figure out a pace that works for you so that you're fast enough. At the same time, you're not disrespecting hospitals, uh, figuring out certain things that you need to do. Meanwhile, hospitals are getting back with your request is something that is challenging, but it's it's challenging in a fun way for now. Nice. Right, right. So, but right now, where what challenges are you currently facing with the product itself? Uh, both of you can respond to this. <laughs> For the product, I mean, uh, of course, it's to ensure that it answers doctors' clinical need. Um, we are an AI product, and we make sure um, that we can integrate all the data that we, we have uh, and then optimize it based on the clinical outcomes. I feel um, doctors in different institutions may have different needs, so we need to tailor and reflect that in our product this is one thing that we always want to do with the product. Second thing is because of the um, EHR um, platform and also, you know, information is usually scattered around in the hospital. Um, there's no single integrated platform for majority of the hospitals in the world. Um, so each time when you try to standardize those information, I mean, you can ask anyone dealing with EHR, it is, it is a, a challenge. So e e EHR meaning electronic health records? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, yeah, I was just trying to understand what EHR, EHR, but then I looked at my notes like, oh shoot, e electronic health records. Like, why, why did I forget yeah, about we, this? We, we <laughs> took it for granted, I think sometimes when we're speaking to people outside of healthcare. <laughs> yeah, so I would always say just, yeah, if you're speaking to people outside of healthcare, you gotta make things more specific <laughs> on how it's, how it's described. But yeah. uh, that's 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 not a, like that's not the most important thing to worry about. But the most important to worry about is if the hospitals are able to take in your product and saying, okay, they're they are helping patients in a way. But right now, in terms of the scale of what you're trying to sell to, are, are you have you already sold this product to hospitals yet, or are you still working on it? Yeah, we have actually. Uh, we have sold to one of the leading institutes in diabetes. Um, and the process has been amazing. There have been so many learnings. We are also speaking with some of the leading institutes outside of diabetes as well into metabolic health. And uh, hopefully we should be having a couple of customers in the next uh, two months or so as well. So it's, it's been a great process. So what is your overall goals in terms of scaling the product? And let's say, are you looking to make a, are you looking to make a global impact in what you're doing? Or are you just going to, is, is it going to be just on a case-by-case -case basis? So for now, it's been on a case-to-case -case basis. Having said that, we have definite goals for the US market in terms of for the next two years, uh, we are focused on providers. Uh, in a couple of months time, three months time, we would be focusing on the payers as well because our product has direct savings for payers. So I know we had not discussed this. When I say payers, uh, I mean insurance companies. 
But if you actually improve the metabolic health for patients, and if you have better patient outcomes, it directly corresponds to the savings for payers. So we have a plan for providers. At the same time, we are reaching out to the payers. Um, so that's what the uh, process looks like for now. For other countries, we are considering uh, India and Singapore as well, but not in the next year. Got it. And so, yeah, I'm going to want to ask some quick question on this. So I see that you're trying to sell this on a B2B basis to hospitals. Um, why? What's the reason why you're not able to sell it to customers? Is it because of the heavy competition from other apps or is there is there a reason behind it? Yeah, one reason is um, purely data-based because um, we're AI first and we keep on saying that, you know, AI for healthcare, very often what's lacking is not AI. What's lacking is access to high quality clinical data. Because if you have wrong data, you will only have garbage in, garbage out. This is what computer science people usually say, right? Um, for this reason, we want to stick to high quality data as we start. And where does that data lies? It lies with providers, it lies with peers. So, and that is large amount of data to train good algorithm on. So this is one important factor for us to go provider first. Second is in this market, especially in the US, the B2B to C market, um, usually these apps are provided to patients through employers or insurance benefit programs, you know, so it's B2B to C. Um, it's quite competitive and it is very difficult to be differentiated in that space. So based on, you know, one data to market, we decided that uh, B2B to hospital and payers is a better suited market um, for our strength. Yeah, one small thing about that also is bringing behavioral change is difficult for patients directly. We feel providers are the change makers. And if you have to sustain certain behavioral changes, providers have to be involved in this process. Okay. So it's like even let's say if you're are you plan are you looking to like give provide employers with this system or if they're if the employers are providing health insurance and even taking care of uh, healthcare costs for employees, would you offer that? Uh, would you offer this product to them in a way, or is it just uh, just only focused on hospitals? For now, it's only focused on hospitals. But if there is an interest from employers in the product that we are providing, um, we might look into that as well. But from our side, there is no push on the employer side as of now. Okay. Just, okay, that sounds good. So another question I wanted to ask was, how are you able to combine, I think Jay already he brought up the point about um, combining healthcare and AI together in, in, a, uh, in, in a certain way. And you see that there are challenges. So what are some challenges, uh, Amber, would you see that combine both of these two different, uh, two highly distinct fields? I mean, they could be, they could work, they can work simultaneously together, but at the same time, they're very completely abstract fields altogether. How do you manage to make them mend together with what you're building? Yeah, um, that's a great point. Uh, actually, the way I see data science or computer science, it's all about um, making information in, in a format that you can use machines to work on. And as far as healthcare is concerned, even though it might be difficult to kind of connect the dots, but there is a lot of information out there which needs to be transformed in some sort of format. 
so that you can look into the pattern patterns that exist in that data. So as long as you are able to do it, to make the transformation that is from the healthcare data to bring it into a format that computer science or data science can understand or the data science algorithms can understand. That's when you um, kind of bridge the gap that exists right now. But once you're able to do it, you see a lot of um, advancements that you're currently seeing. I'm not saying many things are not hype. At the same time, there is a lot of benefit you can get out of data science if you are using certain tools in the right way. Okay, that makes sense. So. Yeah, I'm just gonna now wrap up the interview with one last question before you before we let you go. Um, just wonder, just out of curiosity, just uh, what will be your advice? Because you both of you are students at Harvard. You're building this very life-changing startup in a way. This uh, this could really make an impact in the future. So, how are you? How what advice would you give to other startup founders, or let's say even students who are, who are building startups themselves? Like, what advice would you give, and how would you do it? I would go first. I mean, number honestly have um, new opinions. <laughs> uh, so always be persistent. Don't ever be discouraged. Um, just do it. You know, there will be a lot of difficulties, but that's fine. A startup is difficult, but it's absolutely rewarding. Um, everybody should try it. I honestly feel that I have such a great experience. The, ty the type of learning and the amount of learning that I, that I got through my startup, it's tremendous. Um, and it's, it's absolutely um, a great experience. So be persistent. Don't be afraid. Um, jump into it and uh, you will enjoy it. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, I would follow the same path. Uh, we keep discussing about the point that magic happens when you commit. So uh, I would say once you commit, uh, you see the whole new different world. And when I say commit, I don't mean to say you, just, you should just follow something blindly. Um, of course, you should take market signals as well. But at the same time, you wouldn't see the real value uh, that you might get out of startup. Like it might be um, something that you wanted to do, something that you wanted to always achieve, something um, that you really liked seeing that the other person has been doing, but you wouldn't be able to understand it until you do it. All right, cool. Thank you again, Amber and Jay, for taking the time to be a part of this show. And yeah, looking forward to seeing your success like skyrocket. Thank you so much. Thank you, SG. It was amazing to be with you.